Hello, I'm Katie Litchfield, founder of Weekwell. You're listening to CEOs Uncut on the Weekwell Unfiltered podcast, proudly supported by the Wall Street Journal Barons Group. Three years ago, I left my job of 18 years to set up Weekwell because I'd had enough of standing by and watching women getting passed up for top corporate executive committee roles. Now Weekwell is on a mission to build a better business world. In this series, I've been talking to the bosses of some of the world's largest organizations, asking them the questions they don't normally get asked. Today, I am talking to Anne Cairns, the Executive Vice Chair of MasterCard, one of the biggest financial services companies in the world. Before MasterCard, Anne started her career at Citigroup. She was then CEO of Transaction Banking at ABN AMRO before heading up the financial services group Alvarez and Marcel. As a maths graduate, Anne has been a huge advocate for women in the STEM industry and in all industries as the global co-chair of the 30% Club and the chair of the Financial Alliance for Women. Where Anne has gone in the advancement of gender parity in big business, we at Weekwell hope to follow. Welcome to Weekwell, Anne. Anne, you've done so much work to improve gender equality in business. What do you think, in your experience, is the biggest reason why there are not enough women at the top? Well, I think it's absolutely that we've had years of an unlevel playing field, Katie. Um, It's very difficult to have women at the top if women have been dropping out in the middle of their careers. And that has been a big problem. Uh, McKinsey published something last year saying that women decelerated at the first step on the management ladder. And that is certainly true based on data from around the world. So I really think it's that we haven't built the pipelines that we needed to in the past to help women succeed. Who are the women who have influenced you the most? It's been unfortunate for me that I've actually worked with mainly men most of my career. However, they've been a fantastically positive influence on me. I've had men who've sponsored me into new roles, uh, men who've acted as mentors. Uh, I've had fantastic male bosses and I've had terrible male bosses. I've never had a female boss, although personally, I think I would have loved one. I did meet Margaret Thatcher when I was 22 years old. And although I didn't really agree with her politics at the time, I found her an incredibly charismatic woman and a bit of a role model in the STEM field. The pandemic has been such a major challenge for gender equality. We have seen record numbers of women sadly leaving the workplace or setting out on their own. What can we do to stop women leaving the workplace? I think that we need to talk to women and really understand what it is they need to be successful. We have seen fantastic flexibility being introduced during the pandemic and we need to retain some of that. 
And that doesn't mean that nobody will ever go back into the office because I'm a firm believer that it's wonderful to meet your work colleagues and your customers and your people that you work with in the supply chain because we're all human after all and we love interacting. I think it's really just being very thoughtful about getting that balance when we um, return to the office and not mandating things that don't work for women with children, uh, women or men with children, by the way. I, I think one of the things that COVID has taught us is it doesn't seem fair in this day and age that women should be bearing um, the lion's share of the burden with children. It should actually be um, a shared relationship. Um, and similarly on the caring side. So I think acknowledging that for women and for men is really important. What one thing could be a game changer when it comes to persuading CEOs to bet on female talent for the C-suite? I think that CEOs are now no longer in a day and age where they just care about shareholders. They are stakeholder management managers in the true sense of the word. So they care about their employees, they care very much about the customers and the markets they serve. And increasingly, their companies with purpose and the CEO has to care about wider society, because you can't be successful in a failing world. If you take that view, then it becomes obvious that you can't just be caring about one half of the human race. You have to care about everyone. And from that point of view, I think that CEOs are much better placed if they, if they increase diversity in their business in all dimensions, by the way. But because gender is such a big area, then that's a great place to focus first. I think we both agreed that we all have a vital part to play in diversity, equality and inclusion. When it comes to the gender equality question, what part should men play in changing the dynamic? You know, in my other life, I'm global chair of the 30% club. And uh, we have over a thousand companies in, involved who are the top companies in the world. And most of these companies are actually managed by men whether they're CEOs or chairman. That's just how life is right now. But many of these men are standing up and saying, I want my company to have more than 30% women on its board. I want my company to have more than 30% women in my C-suite. And it's actually enlightened men that will help us change the world because like it or not, they're still in charge. But they are standing up and doing this in droves. And that's what they can do. They can change the culture of their companies. They can champion women. They can champion people from all sorts of different backgrounds. And by the way, it's just good for business. This is not about doing something which is philanthropy or, you know, doing it because societal wise, it's the right thing to do. They will be much more successful business leaders if they do this. And they know it. They hear it from their investor base and so many more of them are doing it today. So I'm very hopeful about the future because I think it's what the men want. How are MasterCard approaching gender equality in the executive leadership team? I think seven out of 34 are women, according to the, your website. Is that right? 
Um, and are there particular challenges that the financial sector has to overcome? There are challenges in the financial sector. As I said, the pipelines coming through in the financial sector haven't happened for so many years that you have to take positive action to correct things. And uh, and yes, you know, we want to increase the number of people at the top of our company. We've already achieved much more than um, 30% board wise. And and so I think what, you know, has to happen in the future is getting those succession pipelines working at the very top of the company, um, making, as you say, the uh, business environment uh, a really great place to work for women, making sure that you've got women coming up through the middle layers. And one of the things that we've done there is roll out a program for about uh, 1,100 people across the company now to help those women at the middle management layers have mentors and be able to really talk about what they aspire to. We launched that last year, and this year we've seen those women who've been involved in the program um, have much lower attrition rate in the company, and they're also being ranked higher at a performance level. So I'm very hopeful for the future that they will come through. Um, you can't wave a magic wand and change things overnight, but we have a CEO who wants to change things and wants to have you know many women around him. He's had a working wife and for many years, and he's a very active father himself. So I think that we will see that change coming through. Can you give us some advice? When it comes to becoming a great leader, in the moment of truth, the decision-making for the top job, what makes a candidate successful? Well, first of all, the very top job, it's obviously the board that get involved in appointing that. Um, And I have actually uh, appointed a new CEO of the Clearinghouse Ice Clear Europe because I'm the chair of the board in that case. Um, And what we did was we went into the market and we put together a very good slate of candidates. Um, 15 were long-listed, seven were short-listed, three were short-short-listed, both a combination of internal and external candidates. And um, on that list, um, there were quite a few women as well as men. And I think that is a very important step that you need to take to to be inclusive in your um, in your shortlist. Now, the CEO that I pointed actually was a woman. Um, she was internal. She was definitely the best person for the job as far as the board was concerned. But in order to reach that conclusion, we did panel interviews. We did one on one interviews. We did um, uh, you know different. Um, assessments using professional headhunters and gave everyone a fair crack of the whip in terms of being able to be assessed in a very holistic manner in the same way, equalizing the field. And I think that you have to take all of these actions in order to make sure that you do get the best person for the job. The mission of the 30% Club is at least 30% representation of all women of on all boards and C-suites globally. 
What do you think about Weequal's target of 50-50 gender split and how do we best achieve this? I absolutely think it's the right target. The 30% club is based on some psychology that says when you have more than 30% of any minority in the room, they cease to be a minority. Um, And our targets are not so much the aspirational target, but the floor level, the minimum that you would want to create a tipping point in the company. And absolutely, we believe in um, shooting that for that 50%. And some of our members are already there. And some have of, of gone beyond it. Uh, the CEO of Diageo, Ivan Menenzes, was with us the other day um, in a wonderful uh, broadcast with Melinda Gates um, as part of the 30% Club. And uh, we were talking about boards and Diageo's board actually has 60% women. So I'm not I'm not proposing that that's the, the future model for all companies. But it's interesting, isn't it, that we would sit here and say, well, a board with 60% men wouldn't be unusual. Um, so I think in the future, um, look, Women are half the human race. If you want the top talent in the world, you can't be ignoring half the human race when you're recruiting people and getting people up to the top of your companies. Women are graduating at the same rates as men and sometimes faster than men in many countries in the world. And it just makes absolute business sense that we would make the working environment so um, beneficial, so, um, what do I want to say, so level playing field that we haven't had for so many years that, um, that, you know, we should see the women rise to the top of the companies. Your background is in mathematics. At a recent Weekwell Live discussion, one of the major unanswered questions was about how do we attract women into STEM roles? Any thoughts? I think we have to start at school level. Um, People have got to stop saying to kids, we're going to teach you maths. This is hard. (laughs) That's what some teacher said to my daughter. She said it to the whole class, to be fair. Uh, But it does put children off. Um, Certainly, we see girls dropping their STEM subjects much faster than boys, practically everywhere in the world. Um, And so... Actually, in my own company, MasterCard, we've rolled out a program called Girls for Tech to actually invite girls between the ages of sort of 10 and 14 into MasterCard to say, hey, you can have some really cool careers if you keep up with your STEM subjects. You don't have to be a geeky programmer. There's lots of things that you can do on the creative front. Um, And just to tell them to aspire to this. We've reached about a million girls around the world so far. We've got a new target of five million. Um, So I I think that that's what we have to do. Personally, I think things, for example, the IB programme when you're 18 years old versus the English A-level programme where you sit sort of three subjects, you know, expanding it to something like six subjects, actually means that more people would be taking STEM up to at least that level of 18. And I I think, you know, having optional courses at university that you could do, even if you weren't mainstreaming in STEM, could be very interesting. 
Um, so I think all of these things around the education system could change. You're a big user of social media, tweeting more than 4,700 4, times to your thousands of followers, often about diversity and inclusion. Have you had a positive experience on social media? Is social media a force for good in business, particularly when promoting DEI matters? Well, personally, I have had a very positive experience with social media, and I think it's the media that you choose to use that's important, and also what you say on the media. I think you, you know, you, you shouldn't just be tweeting randomly about anything that you came across because that's just noise. Um, so it's good to have a theme and to focus on that theme. Um, and in my case, it's generally been about, you know, equality in the workplace, um, coming across female role models that I really like the look of, these kind of things, but also um, not just on diversity, but linking it into something which is in the business world, such as I'm very interested in technology. So where I come across articles on AI, I would also tweet them. Um, or sometimes I write blogs in that area uh, and, uh, and post them on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's particularly good because you're dealing with a professional business community and that's a much better targeting area. So I think if you're thinking about um, social media in the, in the business world, then use the professional platforms. One of the most important things that Weekworld does is showcase talented women one level below the executive committee. We give them a voice and help them make that step up to the ex-co. What advice would you give our women wanting to get to the very top? Well, my advice is don't wait around in your current job and expect to be promoted because you're doing a very good job. Often all that does is result in you being pigeonholed. Um, so don't be a lady in waiting. Ask for what you want and actually make it clear to people that you aspire to be in the C-suite or you aspire to run the company. I always did that in my own career and I think nobody marks you down for ambition. Um, be realistic, though. I mean, don't sort of mention that every day if you're some steps away from that. Um, also get help from other people. Um, I, I've been a mentor now on the WeQual program and I've been a judge on the WeQual program. And I think talking to people outside your company is very helpful, particularly people who've been through the process and know the direction that you want to go in. Um, and I think, you know, people keep saying, oh, women are underconfident or women don't take risks. I think that's completely wrong. By the way, I think women are very good risk managers. Women don't take risks that they shouldn't take. Um, we've had a discussion about that, you know, a la the financial crash crashes and so on. Uh, but, uh, but be realistic about yourself uh, and be confident in that realism. And don't think that you have to know and understand everything in order to make the next move. If you want to make the next move, don't be making it on the basis of what you know now. Make it on the basis of your potential sell your potential to people because that's how you will get to the top of companies. You have been listening to Weekwell Unfiltered Podcast. Weekwell works with the world's largest companies to help bring about gender equality, starting with 50-50 gender parity at executive committee level. 
You can learn more at weekwell.com. Weekwell Unfiltered is written and produced by Katie Litchfield and Sean Smith. Mm-hmm.